This presentation is from UX Australia 2019, Sydney. Hello everyone. Waiting for my slide to come up so you know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm here today to talk about cognitive bias. I really am. So I'm going to make a start anyway. Um, oh, we're on. Great. Thanks. Okay, so I'm a human-centred designer, but I'm also a coach. And I'm interested in what makes us human and how we use our humanness in our work. So last year, I did a 10-minute talk on how we listen. And then I did a talk on empathy at design research. And so today, this is about how we use our brain. Or not, as the case may be. Um, so I guess cognitive bias, most people probably know the concept, but it's about the thinking errors that we sometimes undertake when we think too quickly. So what we're going to do today is talk a bit about cognitive bias, do a couple of experiments, and then see how it, refers, it relates to us in our UX world. So this quote here is a quote from, um, oh, sorry, a quote from Daniel Kahneman, who um, wrote Thinking Fast and Slow. The world makes much less sense than you think. The coherence comes mostly from the way your mind works. So what that really means is the way that we make sense of the world isn't always accurate, but it's fast and efficient, and partly due to cognitive bias. So Daniel uh, Kahneman and Amos Tversky, not sure how to pronounce that, um, they coined the concept of cognitive bias in a 1974 um, science article. And since then, researchers have identified numerous other cognitive biases, um, so many, in fact, there's over 180. These guys became known as the fathers of behavioral economics because cognitive bias led to the, um, the whole industry of behavioral economics. Prior to that, um, it, the thought was that um, people were more rational in our thoughts. So I don't know whether anyone's seen this before. I found this online. So this indicates how many cognitive biases there are out there. There's over 180. Um, so Buster Benson, who was on four weeks paternity leave, decided to categorise the Wikipedia page. So thank you, Buster. And, um, and then John, John Moynihan visualised it for us. So thank you, John. And what this does is it categorises the cognitive biases into four different areas. And so what this does is it shows us that when we're faced with things like too much information, not enough meaning, needing to act fast, and what we should remember, we make things up a bit. So for example, we see patterns where they don't exist. We favor re relatable things in front of us. We reduce events to their key elements. Now we don't have to know all of these biases because it's a bit overwhelming. But knowing that these biases exist is a great start and the fact that we can do something about it in our UX roles. And in fact, as UXers, we've got a, quite a lot of tools in our toolkit that can help us mitigate these. So apparently, we make 35,000 decisions a day. Now, I couldn't find the source for this article, um, so it might not be true, but everyone else was referring to someone else who said there were 35,000 decisions that we make every day. Maybe that's a cognitive bias, I don't know. So that's a lot for a brain to undertake every day. So um, Daniel Kahneman in Thinking Fast and Slow spoke about System 1 and System 2 thinking. So System 1 is the system that thinks fast and is quick to judge, and that's unconscious and effortless. 
System two is slow and analytic and deliberate. Um, and I'm thinking about an example of deliberate thinking, that would be maybe when we're thinking about a career change or where we want to move to. System one would be more like, well, which apple am I going to take out of a bowl? I'm not going to think pros and cons um, of which apple might be the best. So system one is 97% of our uh, decision making and system two is 3%. And system one is where cognitive bias comes in. So I'm going to do a bit of an experiment with you. I hope you don't mind. Um, I'm just going to show you a picture. I'm going to ask you which line is the longest, so just shout out. Top, middle or bottom? Okay, I know what's going on. Your eyes are telling you that the middle is the longest, but in fact they're all the same. And you may, may have felt some kind of men mental tension at that point, and what that is is system one and system two having a bit of a dance-off in your brain. So cognitive bias, which, is, which comes from system one, really, is when we make fast decisions. So system one increases our mental efficiency and enables us to make fast decisions, but it also distorts our thinking and um, can lead to false judgments, which is fine when we're looking at straight lines, but when we are thinking about things like um, the global financial crisis, Chernobyl, and ineffective responses to Hurricane Katrina, then false judgments can be quite dangerous. So I've got another experiment for you. You may be familiar with this. If you are, please don't give it away. I'm going to tell you a bit of a story about Linda and then ask you two questions. So Linda is 31 years old, single, outspoken and very bright. She majored in philosophy. As a student, she was deeply concerned with the issues of discrimination and social justice and also participated in anti-nuclear demonstrations. Which of the following is two alternatives is more probable? Number one, Linda is a bank teller. Number two, Linda is a bank teller and active in the feminist movement. So hands up for number one. Hands up for number two. That's about right. <laughs> so apparently, um, well, the question was, which is more probable? It's statistically more probable that Linda is a bank teller. But we've answered that Linda is a bank teller in the feminist movement. So most of people, well, probably about 80% of people put their hands up for number two. And so what that is, is our rational brain, it's not a rational decision or choice we're making there. We're actually saying, well, based on the information you've given me, I'm going to say it's number two. So I'm going to share a, a very designerly um, cognitive bias here. You may have heard of this, the IKEA effect. And it's actually known as the IKEA effect in the literature. I'm not making it up. Um, and so I'm sure that we've all, most of us, have had the experience of making IKEA furniture. And even if it's a bit wobbly, we quite like it. Am I right? <laughs> we've all got a wobbly bookshelf somewhere. Um, and so we place a higher value on something that we've made, which, um, if you think about that from a design perspective, we tend to potentially make a higher value on the designs that we've made. So that could actually lead us to losing strategic foresight in what we're putting out into the world if we put out what we like rather than what is the best. So cognitive bias plays a part in every human interaction in user experience. Um, and I'm not going to talk today about cognitive bias in terms of how we can leverage it for how people interact with our products. 
I'm going to talk about it in terms of when we think together, how does it come into play. So I've just chosen three examples, research, storytelling and decision making. So, sorry. In research, um, bias does come into play when we're thinking about as designers, we probably have something we want to prove or disprove, so that might mean we're closing our mind to what we're actually seeing uh, in terms of the information. And then when we ask customers questions or when we see people doing research, how are we framing those questions? So um, the two biases that, are there, that come into play there are the confirmation bias and the frame effect. So the tendency to seek evidence that confirms our existing beliefs and how we ask questions affects the response we get. So please don't ask someone in a research session whether they like something or not because that might not be the thing. <laughs> Storytelling and showcases. So it's really important when we present information, the order that we put things in because that's how people remember things. So um, there's two cognitive biases that relate to that. So the anchoring effect, people tend to take in the first piece of information that they hear. Um, and then the serial position effect is the order in which you present information um, makes a difference as well. So what you begin with and what you end with is what people tend to remember. So when you're running a showcase, think about how you start doing a good solid balanced executive summary and then a big finish because that might people might walk away with what you want them to walk away with. Decision making. Now this is where group think comes in. Um, and here are two biases that relate to groupthink. Um, the bandwagon bias and false consensus effect. Um, now with bandwagon bias, that's accepting the ideas that are, that are adopted by others in the group because you don't want to stand out and this is actually an evolutionary thing where you want to be part of the group and if you're not part of the group you get shunned. So um, in these situations it's good to nominate a um, devil's advocate. So I've got three top tips for you to walk away with today. So now that we know that a bit more about cognitive biases, what can we do? Um, making sure that we do something about them is the thing. And even when you, in a project, mapping your assumptions, making sure that you're aware of what you're thinking and being aware of other people and what their biases might be. Aim for diversity of input. So avoiding confirmation bias and bandwagon. Aiming for... Um, empathy and good listening in that context. Using structured approaches, so um, an example might be using a DVF process to prioritise um, concepts when you've got people from um, representing the customer, the business and technology. Um, that's a good structured way to mitigate cognitive biases. Another way is looking for evidence to separate fact from fiction. So I'll leave you with a Jimi Hendrix quote because that's what I did last year when I did a 10-minute talk. Um, in order to change the world, you have to get your head together first. So, thank you. Um, now, I think the thing about cognitive biases, it's all very well knowing them and understanding them, but it's about actually doing something about it. So maybe thinking about what action you will take. Thank you very much.